This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotatonetwork.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait, You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. Today we're beginning our messed up movie months by discussing, wait, you've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Man, this movie was a lot sadder than I expected. (laughs) It's sadder than I remember. Um, so up front we, we do have a few trigger warnings. Um, of course we try never to armchair diagnose anyone, um, But the basic premise of this movie seems to be, is McMurphy crazy or not crazy? Does he belong in this institution or does he belong in prison? So I think everything we're going to talk about is sort of through that lens where we're just sort of answering the question that the movie is asking. Um, It takes place in a psychiatric hospital in the early 1960s. So the treatment of patients isn't the greatest it's pretty terrible at sometimes um there were a couple of things that i had like actual visceral reactions to some of it's hard to watch um there was a close-up of an electric shock treatment um mcmurphy towards the end of the movie assaults nurse ratchet and tries to choke her to death and when they reveal well, I, I was going to say spoiler alert, but I assume everybody listening has either watched or knows about the movie. Um, when I realized they had lobotomized uh, McMur- McMurphy, I, mm-hmm. I think I literally said out loud, like, oh, no. Yeah, I'm, surpri- I'm, I'm surprised you didn't sort of know that because that just seems to be like a... There's been allusions to that sort of thing. In different movies and TV shows oh, and stuff. Like. I mean, I knew I knew that sort of thing happened. Um, I did not expect that drastic of a measure, even with all of his behavior. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, and then when Chief suffocates Murf- uh, McMurphy at the very end, I did not also see that coming. Do you like, expect him to? Because he said, oh, I'm not going to. Chief says, I'm not going to leave you behind. You'd think he's a big guy. He's going to throw him over his shoulder. And get the hell out of there. Either that or I thought he was going to stay there with him and take care of him and protect him from the other terrible people. Yeah. Um, But that didn't happen either. Um, McMurphy hurls some racist insults at Chief before they become like BFFs. Um, And the reason McMurphy was in prison in the first place was statutory rape, which he does not seem remorseful about in the least. As well as five assaults. As well as five assaults. Thank you. I forgot about that. So. Oh, now that we're all depressed. Okay, let's mm-hmm. move on. Uh, what three things did you expect from this movie? Well, um, you know, you, you sent me the poster to look at. And so with the, the cuckoo, the fence with the barbed wire on top, and the red lock in the, in the title... To me, says either they're going to be in a psychiatric hospital or the psychiatric ward of a prison. Mm-hmm. So, 
I also expected that Nurse Ratched would be in this movie. I knew she was in... I knew Louise Fletcher had played Nurse Ratched, and I knew there was some movie about uh, um, mental mm-hmm. uh, mental hospitals in the 70s. So I, I just guessed. I assumed <laughs> there was a connection. That's good. Good guess. Let's see. What was my third thing? Oh, I'm really proud of this one. Jack Nicholson's character will somehow escape the hospital or prison. Um, nice. Because it's... One flew over, so I'm like, oh, he's going to... He's escaping. He's going to hightail it out of that joint, as the kids say. They don't say that. That's true. Oh, yeah, fly the coop. Fly the coop. Thank you, yes. Fly the coop, I think we were going for, or maybe looking for. So did you expect to like this movie or not? Um, I thought there would be some harmful stereotypes of people with mental illnesses, so... I didn't have the highest of expectations. I gave it two stars to start out with. Oh, okay. So, what was your one sentence? IMDB, you're shaking your head with your eyes closed. This must this must be good. <laughs> so, what is your one sentence? IMDB summary. After, after killing someone with a cuckoo clock, <laughs> Sorry. Jack Nicholson's character codename Birdie, is sentenced to life in prison where he tries to convince his fellow mentally ill inmates that escape is their only option. You know, I like the, because you know, sometimes you just, you, you, you want to, sometimes I want to just play it safe, mm-hmm. but like sometimes you go for it. Yeah. I like that. So, would you like to hear the actual IMDb? Yes, I would, please. Summary? So, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest came out in late 1975. Rated R, 133 minutes. It's a drama. And I think we just need to say right here that it's Milos Forman as the director of this fine picture. Is that supposed to mean something to me? Well, no. Not to you, necessarily. <laughs> He's just one of the greatest uh, directors of all time. Okay. Doesn't always get his due, I don't think. Well, apparently, if I've never heard of him. I guess not. He didn't really do a, a picture that was as, you know, that made as much money or as that, or that was as critically acclaimed as, as this one. I believe it won five Oscars. Anyway, would you like to hear the summary now? Yes. A criminal pleads insanity and is admitted to a mental institution where he rebels against the oppressive nurse and rallies up the scared patients. Yes, that happened. It did. So, how did this uh, meet your expectations? I think I was pretty close on all of them except um, Jack Nicholson's character didn't escape. He died. So, Which is in a way an escape. I mean... He momentarily escapes. That's true. He does momentarily escape. Um, so, psychiatric hospital or psychiatric ward of a prison, check. Nurse Ratched, check. Um, Jack Nicholson's character will somehow escape. <clears throat> Semi-check. Um, it, impre- impressive, I have, to, I have to say. Especially <laughs> since you weren't exactly sure. 
Well, and the thing was, wasn't McMurphy in prison first? But the, because they talk about putting him on the work farm or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So he was in prison and then moved, but it wasn't a ward of the prison. It was a separate hospital. Correct. So after watching this, have you changed your star rating? Well, the second half of this movie was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Um, it it successfully conveyed the horrors of, you know, a mental institution in the 1960s. Um, so it was good in that way, and it was good in the acting and direction. Like you're saying, I guess this guy is one of the, the best there ever was. So I will bump it up to a three because it, it was a good, but I would never watch this again. It was It was too hard for me to watch. It was pretty tough. So, can we talk about the opening and closing music and how it hurt my ears so much I almost wanted to mute it? Oh, I'm sorry. It was so... It wasn't really screechy. It was like... It was high-pitched, for sure. Um, It's like if you pluck a string, and maybe like on a harpsichord or something, and it sort of distorts for a minute because maybe you move the thing. Oh, that resonance that happens? That... No. Oops. When it... um, It's not exactly an echo, but... I don't know. Maybe I should just look it up right now so I can explain it to you. (laughs) The variance was so wide that when the notes would move like everything was bleeding over into each other. Oh, it was like, so, wah, yeah. Wah, but the, every note was doing wah, like a, every note in the chord. You're you're covering your ears. It, I'll stop. I did not like it at all. Well, it's disturbing. So it's like when a movie starts off with a disturbing piece of music, you know there might be disturbing things to come. Something else that. That I didn't like. Okay, first of all, Louise Fletcher plays Nurse Ratched. Louise Fletcher also plays um, in Deep Space Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Um, Kai Wen, and she's sort of she's sort of villainy in that mo- in that show too because yeah. she ends up at the end of the series having collaborated with one of her greatest enemies without knowing it. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so the way she conducts the group therapy sessions makes me so mad. That's so not the way you're supposed to do that. It's like, here's this humiliating experience you had, Mr. Patient. Why don't we expose that to the entire group and then pick it apart piece by piece and discuss your insecurities and why you are the way you are. And like... Um... This is jumping ahead a bit, but when Bill, when she, when she threatens Billy, that poor Billy, she threatens Billy with telling his mother that, you know, he, he spent the he spent the evening with a lady, mm-hmm. uh, when he wasn't supposed to, mm-hmm. um, really stepping over the line and saying like, oh, but I I will because your mother and I have been friends for a really long time. That 
That is so... It'd be one thing if it was like, well, it's policy to like mm-hmm. let them know, blah, 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 or whatever it is. I can't imagine there's a policy like that. But that's not the way she goes. Right. She says, oh, no, I, w- I won't do that, blah, blah, blah. It's horrifying. And I wonder if the book, because it is based on a book, right? Um, By Ken Kesey. I wonder how much more detail it goes into in the book because I want to know what Billy's mother's deal is. Like, why is he so terrified of her? I mean, he ends up committing suicide, which I should have um, mentioned in the trigger warnings, but I forgot. I'm very there sorry. So many horrible things in this. Um. So yeah, I'm. I'm. I kind of want to know what her deal is. And there were some mm-hmm. other patients there who I want to know more about their backstory as well. Yeah. Um, because a lot of, and we'll get to this too, a lot of them were there voluntarily or allegedly voluntarily. Something I like about Louise Fletcher is basically for the whole first half of the movie, she had the exact same expression on her face. Just passive, stony-faced, like, I just take in what these men tell me, and I issue proclamations in the same voice every time. And then as we get along in the movie, you know, starting from about the second half on, you see her, you don't really see her smile except maybe a couple of times, but she gets angry quite a few times when, you know, the troops get out of hand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So... Can we talk about acting for a moment? Yes. So, acting happens a lot in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things you can do with your eyes that'll either show, you know, show obviously a wide variety of things. But one of the things that your eyes can do is show either weakness or strength, power or lack of power in that person. And if you want to maintain strength what you do is you stare directly into someone's eye I am right now staring into Virginia's left eye (laughs) and I have not blinked yet that's true you haven't so they call it switching eyes like I'm going to switch from your left eye to your right eye Uh this is like a way if you're trying to come off as a very strong person like Nurse Ratchet was trying to come off as powerful to the patients mm-hmm. you wouldn't do that and you don't see her switching eyes when she's staring at someone like, right her eyes don't move at all they're straight ahead and they're half lit they're neither like wide open nor like totally relaxed like mm-hmm. somewhere right in the middle um there is a time though where she does switch eyes and you do see her blink and that is when she is talking to the doctors and sort of meekly saying, oh, oh. well, he would be helped by staying, you know, we shouldn't pass off our problems to somebody else when they say That's true. that McMurphy maybe should go back to prison, which would probably, weirdly enough, probably, way, obviously, way, way better for him. Well, they wouldn't have performed a lobotomy, most likely. Probably not. But yeah, that's where she, she she allows herself to come across as as weaker, or not weak so much as just like oh you guys all have exactly you guys all have the power I don't yeah 
most of my stuff actually falls under disability portrayal. So I don't know if we want to kick that up into general discussion this time. Um, because that's basically what the whole movie is about is mental illness and who has it and who doesn't and the whole circumstances surrounding a psychiatric commitment. Sure. Okay. Um, it seems like McMurphy tries to treat the other men as quote normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike it's, it's a refreshing change for them after all of the condescension they get from the medical staff and the infantilization. Right. Um, but then once he finds out that some of them could just leave whenever they want to, they're there voluntarily, then he gets mad. But that makes me question how many of the volunteer, how many of the voluntary commitments are actually voluntary or if, Families are coercing them into voluntarily committing themselves. You know, could they really get up and leave? Or will their family just bring them back the next day and say, sign these papers, you're going back? Now, I think there... I don't think this is a real thing. Um, One can present themselves to a mental institution and voluntarily walk in. Mm-hmm. But then you still need to be cleared by a doctor. I think it changes from state to state and whatnot. Mm. But I happen to know that you can't just leave whenever you want. It's not that simple. I see. But yeah, the initial signing up for this, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a real thing. So, so I'm trying to figure out this guy, McMurphy. Mm-hmm. And he comes across as arrogant and self-serving, and obviously he's just, you know, he's a, he's a con artist. He's trying to play a game. He's looking for, he's constantly looking for a way to beat the system, and, you know. Mm-hmm. So, he's, he's a dick. Right. So I assume he's being self-serving, and obviously he is. I assume he's being self-serving when he was running around and coercing people into voting for watching the World Series. Right. And Nurse Ratchet was like, oh, okay, go ahead and take a vote. And, but her plan the whole time was that they're never going to do that. You know, she had that, she, she decided that she would include everyone on the ward, mm-hmm. even if they were nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And everyone who was not, no one who was nonverbal voted essentially so she had that wrapped up so he doesn't get to see the game but he does you know you know (laughs) like a like a petulant child sits in front of the television and stares at the blank screen you know Uh and all this again seems like he's a self-serving dick as (laughs) as we were pointing out but then then it turns into something beautiful, I think, when he starts to, like, call the game as though he's watching it. Mm-hmm. And the the other patients are like, whoa, wait, what's going on here? And he's, they all come over, and he's making up this really exciting baseball game, and um, the patients are actually, like, getting into it, being excited, and, you know, having so much entertainment that Nurse Ratchet has to shut that down mm-hmm. because they're all having way too much fun. Like, like, all right, 
he's a dick, but like he also he has a heart for these people at the same time. He's not all he's not 100% jerk. Yeah. He doesn't I mean he does try to take advantage of them at times, but overall no. I I don't think he tries to like he tries to take advantage of them in a poker game or something. He doesn't try to take advantage of them in a way that would actively harm them. Right. Um I don't know. I don't I don't have a whole lot cuz it it, oh, was, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. Um, we've talked about the lobotomy a couple of times. I don't know if people, since it isn't as frequently used these days, if people know Wait, what that still, is. I'm sorry, it's still used? Lobot- I think in some cases it oh is. Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Um, a lobotomy is a neurosurgical operation that involves severing connections in the brain's prefrontal lobe, according to Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, they have always been controversial, but were widely performed for more than two decades as treatment for schizophrenia, manic depression, and bipolar disorder, among other mental illnesses. When you hear people talk about sticking an ice pick up your nose or through your eyeball and scrambling your brains around, that's a lobotomy. I mean, that's not actually how they perform them, but in common parlance, that's what it is. Um, but... Basically, they used to think that if a bad behavior is caused by neurological connection in this part of your brain, then by damaging that part of the brain, you will then get rid of that bad behavior. Of course, they didn't know a whole lot about how everything is connected in the brain at that time, so the side effects of it weren't known until of course, after the fact. And sometimes people would get a little better, but not enough to outweigh um, the side effects of the of the procedure. So lobotomy is rarely, if ever, performed today. And if it is, a cor- <laughs> it's a much more elegant procedure. You're not going to go in with an ice pick and start monkeying around. Mm-hmm. Um Discover Magazine says the last lobotomy was performed in 1967. There was a very rare, a very experimental version of brain surgery done for people with severe depression. They actually went in and did brain surgery on people. Hmm. This is obviously different from, from a lobotomy, but you just made me think of this. I remember hearing on NPR, this was years ago. They only did it on about 20 people because they couldn't find enough, they couldn't find very many people with acute enough depression that would, like, make them say, okay, um, this is your last, you know, hope anyway, let's go in and do brain surgery on you. Mm-hmm. And in, I think it was 20 cases, and in about 18 cases, they, they revealed, like, amazing results. Like, when they... With brain surgery, they usually keep you conscious enough to, like, so you can talk and interact with the doctor, with the surgeon. And when the surgeon would touch certain parts um, and ask certain questions, when the patient would ask certain questions, they would go, oh, everything's so much brighter now, and I can see colors better now. Hmm. And then when they took their, when the surgeon would take their hand away from that area, they would go, oh, okay, it's back, it's back to the way it always is now. Like, 
Anyways, it's very interesting to actually like poke around, you know, monkey around, as you say, with someone's brain. So the reason I wasn't expecting the lobotomy, as as we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, I was aware that lobotomies were performed, especially in that era of um, mental illness treatment. Um, but it seems like we, I mean, we only saw one electric shock treatment. I assume there were many more that happened behind the scenes that they thankfully did not show us. Yeah. Um, but even with that, it seemed, to me, it seemed like a drastic step for the timeline we were given. But that may also illustrate how terrible this hospital staff was that like, okay, we gave him 10 electric shock treatments and that didn't help anything. So let's, you know, get the old ice pick out or whatever. Yeah. I was just being flippant there. No, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but that, that was my, that was my surprise element. Not that lobotomies were performed, just that it seemed to be performed so quickly in this that. movie. So the book, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was at one time on the banned book list. Oh, really? Yeah, the author, uh, Ken Kessie, or Kesey? Kessie, I think. Um, his story comes from his actual experience working the graveyard shift at, uh, mental uh, at a mental facility in Menlo Park, California, um, where he saw certain things and, you know, in the uh, bureaucracy and talked to patients a lot as well mm-hmm. so it came out of that came out of that experience well that's good that he I mean I'm sure there was some artistic license taken but um, it's good that he just didn't pull it out of thin air that you know he actually witnessed the thing I'm thinking like you know when people Right, like when men write for female characters, not knowing what they're talking about. Right. When, um, when a neurotypical person writes non-neurotypical people, it can come off. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I, I, I see where you're going. It's um, if you don't have like they say, first of all, they say write what you know about. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know about, if if you're not a woman and you don't identify as a woman, then your your perception of what that means to be a woman is kind of irrelevant and it's going to it's going to be odd and probably rely on stereotypes mm-hmm. and preconceived notions instead of real experience. Exactly. See you said it much better than I did. I kind of didn't get right to the point though either. <laughs> <laughs> So before we move on, mm-hmm. I just want to mention observations that I um, made as as I was watching the the first time I watched this, and probably the only time I watched this was when I was is when I was a teenager. So now as I'm watching this, uh, I'm 45, and as I'm watching it now, I'm thinking of it and I'm like, oh, this might be. I mean, you could say this about anything, but I think this could be a religious allegory, like a Christian allegory in a way. There's lots of different things I notice, like 
uh, in the very first scene where everyone was getting in the first scene where they were getting meds it almost seemed like receiving communion in church you know they were playing some pleasant music and everyone lined up everyone takes their medicine one at a time one person even like receives it like by hand directly into their mouth like the the old-timey way of receiving the Eucharist. I was wondering if that guy had like if they were going to reveal that he had like religious delusions like if he believed he was John the Baptist and so he would only take his medicine if it was delivered to him in that way. You or know what I'm saying? Sort of, right, or like his hands were involved in some way like were um neurologically he was unable to Mm-hmm. To physically take something from you like that. Uh, so Nurse Ratchet's hair, those are <laughs> straight up devil horns. <laughs> straight up devil horns, those aren't there's no other reason to make hair like that. That's I I actually hadn't thought of that, but yes. So so picture a bouffant if you don't have a <laughs> the World Wide Web right at your fingertips, which you probably do. Uh, picture a bouffant and then the, the curls are separated in the middle so much so that there's there's two points on, on top of her head. Um, there's other things like he... You could say he there was some self-sacrificing aspects to McMurphy. He was kind of the Christ figure in a way. Well, what about teaching his followers to fish? It, it, Literally teaching them to fish, not <laughs> being fishers of men. Yeah, right. that's <laughs> sure. He definitely has an interest in in uh, in fish. Um, he's thirty eight, not thirty three. Mm, the, yeah. the the Christ age. Um, my favorite um, is the the chief, or War, um, I believe they also call him Warren, the chief, the tall, the big mm-hmm. tall guy. McMurphy wants to escape when he first has the idea to escape he wants to pull the enormous uh what is it like it's it, it's topped with um with lo- what looks like marble yeah it's this very very heavy thing inside the shower room that has all the water pipes and different ways to shoot water you know to clean to someone to clean someone yeah um he wants to he wants to pull it out of the ground, and throw it out of the window. That's how he's going to escape. And everyone's like, ah, that's ridiculous. And that's exactly how the chief escapes at the very end. And while he's doing that, though, he's, as he's pulling it off, of course, all of these water pipes are now shooting up and he's getting wet. Uh So that's his baptism. Uh A baptism is putting you into the life of being a Christian and the act of doing that, of pulling that big giant piece of marble off the off the shower room floor and throwing it through the window, he was putting himself into, you know, into a new life as, you know, being on the run from killing a man and breaking out of a mental facility. I was surprised that McMurphy didn't, like, when they had that initial... Um, encounter in the tub where he says I'm gonna move it and throw it through the window that he didn't try to make the chief move it for him. Yes. Like that. Re- that really did surprise me, especially when he walked over to him and I'm like, oh yeah, he's definitely gonna ask the dude to to do it for him because he's so much bigger. Um. So then when he did it later, I was like, 
man, we could have avoided all of this <laughs> if they would have just escaped at the very beginning. Well, I mean, you don't think the chief stays escaped. I mean, they're going to catch him, right? You mean after the movie? Yeah. Do you think he's... What do you think happens to him? Are they... Where are they? Oregon. Oregon? Like, kind of in a rural area. I mean, you can see the mountains and stuff right out the... Yeah. I I wasn't sure if it was, like, Montana or something. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think book, he could a... probably make it through Washington up to Canada. I think he might be able to do it. You know what, though? Huh? He, he could um, he could maybe get a fur coat and just be like, oh, we, we saw Bigfoot. Like, what? Oh my it's, God. Like, it's Bigfoot country up there. Are we going to have the whole Bigfoot conversation again? About how nobody's ever found a carcass and there's not enough wildlife to support a colony of big feet, as the plural, plural is known, of course. I believe the plural, the plural is big feet. <laughs> we can move on. So, Bechdel test, what do you think? Does Nurse Ratchet say anything to that other nurse when she is in when they're intaking McMurphy? Mm-hmm. She goes, the other I can't I don't know sure what the other nurse's name nurse is. Nurse Pilbo. But that's a terrible name. Nurse Pilbo. She, she says things like one sock and this and that and you know goes over But they're inventorying his clothes. So no. It it does not pass. We actually have five female named characters um, that I counted, which would be Rose and Candy, the the ladies who came to party in the ward. Um, nurse Ratchet, of course, which I always thought was Nurse Ratchet, not Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, that's a weird name. Mildred. Mildred Ratchet. <laughs> Mildred Ratchet. Like you can make Ratchet any worse. <laughs> um. And then the uh, the other nurse in the um, in the electric shock room was Nurse Itsu, I think Itsu. Oh, that wasn't Pilbo. No, um, hmm. Nurse Itsu was an Asian nurse, and Nurse Pilbo was the white nurse who was in there with Nurse Ratchet. Oh, I somehow didn't notice that because I don't see race. That's why I don't. Uh huh. Not caught up. <laughs> I'm not caught up in that. Anyways, <laughs> so has your opinion changed since, well, you said you just saw it probably once. Uh, right? Yeah, as a teenager, and you know, as a teenage boy, if you show him something disturbing, it's exciting and interesting, and oh, isn't this a fascinating thing, and you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Jack Nicholson has a, well, you know, terrible potty mouth, and isn't that entertaining? Um. It's just so much more heartbreaking now, mm-hmm. you know. And the the performance of actor Sidney Lasik, he plays Chaswick. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Just I I almost cried a couple times just by his like reactions and just the way he he, he just seems so tortured. Mm-hmm. I think in the book he might drown. They they imply he might have drowned himself in the book. I don't I don't think it's in the. We don't really see, we don't see him in that final in the final scenes. Yeah, I think I mean they heavily sedated him when they right before they did the electric shock on McMurphy. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we see him after that. So I assumed he was still heavily sedated somewhere. Yeah. So it's just there are some 
brighter moments in this movie. You know, he McMurphy. It's not just all. It's not all terrible things. I don't think he does try to bring some liveliness to everyone's life. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, uh, there is that like Christmas. When they have like that, their little impromptu party, mm-hmm. and they have they, the the ladies bring alcohol. Uh huh. It's Christmas time because yeah, there's like it's a decorations Christmas tree. and stuff. Yeah. So this might actually be a sadder Christmas movie than Emmett Otter's Jugman. Oh my god. Christmas. <laughs> this might actually be sad if you can call it a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is sadder, I would say. Um. So there's really only one pop culture reference that I now understand. Um, in the Golden Girls, there's an episode where uh, Sophia has had some, like maybe she had a surgery or she had like a spell where she just needs to, um, she needs a nurse to take care of her okay. during the daytime because Dorothy has to work. Mm-hmm. And But Dorothy has been taking care of her. And has been like real, you know, take your medicine at this time and do this and do that. And at one point, Sophia's like, okay, Nurse Ratchet. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I see now. Because I think that's where I got Nurse Ratchet from. Like, I knew that was a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know anything else about her. I assumed from the context clues that she was a terrible person. Yeah. And she is a terrible person. Um. So yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, even if you don't know who Nurse Ratchet is, that's that's a you get who that person is just by that name. Yeah, I think. As for how would the movie be different with today's technology, I hope and pray we have better mental illness um, treatment options available now. I mean, I know as we discussed a little earlier that. Um, lobotomies are no longer performed except in very rare cases but just like therapy and the state of mental like because nobody really like a lot of times in those days people didn't even really the staff didn't even really bother to like make sure everything was clean and sanitary which is something i would hope we would do now so that's really my only thing about that is just i hope there's better treatment for mental illness today yeah do you have anything else you'd like to talk about one more thing okay the actor bud court who plays harold and harold and maude okay he was he was 20 and was playing 18 in that movie so he's a young a young man a mm-hmm. young bud court mm-hmm. um he started to get typecast after that movie because he plays a mentally disturbed person, basically, a, 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 a young man who keeps faking his own suicide over and over again. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So he's kind of a weirdo. And so he kept getting typecast as a weirdo. Mm-hmm. So he turned down the role of uh, Billy Bobbitt. Oh, really? Or Billy Bibbit. Billy Bibbit. Bibbit. Yeah, in in Cuckoo's Nest. He, because the irony is he didn't want to be thought of as this quote-unquote crazy person. 
and instead, like, so you have Jack Nicholson, you know, in that movie, who basically plays a crazy person for the rest of his career mm-hmm. and becomes an enormous star being a big weirdo. The very thing that Bud Court was trying not to come across as big weirdo. Was this before or after The Shining? I, the Shining, I think, was in 1980. Yep, 1980. The movie. Right. Was in 1980. So, yeah. I mean, the joke. He also plays the Joker. He also uh, plays... Um, as good as it gets. As what as is it... a... I forget his name in that, but yeah. Yeah, but he was uh, obsessive-compulsive mm-hmm. and... And uh, jerk is also another another way that Jack Nicholson was uh, typecast. Oh yeah, <laughs> typecast is a big jerk. Oh, I thought you were saying there was a movie jerk, and I'm like, I don't know this movie. Well, there is the movie there the, is jerk. The, the jerk. <laughs> the yes. jerk, yes. Not with Jack Nicholson though. So that about wraps it up. You can find us on a bunch of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. You can find a lot of other great shows there, so check those out. We're going to be starting to cover Picard on the landing party, so... You know what I say? What? I think it's so. Oh, I should have seen that coming! God dang it! Okay. Um, (laughs) As for us, just go to WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching Gaslight. Or or have you already watched it? I'm just sadly shaking my head. Thanks for listening.